Hello everyone and welcome to this special second podcast at Corf Castle as part of the Festival for Archaeology ran by the Council of British Archaeology and hosted by the National Trust. We are Career and Ruins and it's great to be in your ears again. <laughs> I know, you get two podcasts of the price of one at this event, it's amazing. Now, now Derek, uh, how, how is it possible you're here? How did you get past security? I, I know, it's, it's, a bit of a, uh, it's a bit of a coup sneaking in here, because normally they stop me at the front gate. Yeah. Just to add a bit of context to that, yeah. <laughs> just to make sense. Pitman's out. Pitman's out, yeah, yeah, yeah. No Pitman's in Corf Castle, yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. the rules. I grew up in this town, obviously, and growing up with my surname in Corf Castle was a nightmare. <laughs> and I'll tell you for why. Tell me for why. I'll tell you for why. Now, we can see the castle here, and for those that don't know it, it is a, a wonderful ruin. And I think the ruined nature of it gives it its charm. I'm just going to put that out there now. Um, because at the end of the Civil War, um, the castle was under siege and there was a traitor. He, he opened the gates to let the invaders Who in. Who was this treacherous fiend? Oh, Colonel Pittman. Colonel Pittman. Oh, <laughs> no, I should have known. I know, I know. You can imagine five-year-old me in a lesson in Corf Castle School about Corf Castle. <laughs> People chase you out with yeah, throw forks. stones at you. Yeah, yeah good. good. Yeah, yeah, as they should. As they should. <laughs> so it's nice to be allowed back in for once, which is good. So is this part of the reason why you're an archaeologist? No. I mean, but not least the Pittman collection, but I mean, you, you grew up... I grew up in an archaeological here. You went yeah, to school yeah. just at the bottom of the, the castle here. I must, it, it was the castle that made me want to be a historian originally, okay. and I was really into history as a kid. Um, it was only when I started to study it, I realised I have no memory for dates or places <laughs> or names, and realised that archaeology, actually, asking questions about the past in a, in a fact-gathering way. I mean, books are just... A, another archaeological resource yeah. so it's, i it's made the great. right choice i for those of you that don't know where we are we're in sort of the south coast of Dorset, and not far from Paul, Paul Harbour. If you saw our grim uh, ruins in the fields, we can see our field that we dug in just over, uh, over yeah, the hill I, there. In a minute, I'm hoping we're going to go for a walk to the top of the castle and see what's left of our excavation. Excavation, that'd be good. But it's, it's a beautiful part of the world, and it oozes history, oozes mm. heritage, and there is archaeology everywhere. Uh, and we're here as part of the Festival of Archaeology. Uh, we've got a live podcast that we've recorded, and you would have heard previously. That was the first one of these two. And today... Well, now we've done the recording, we're actually going to go on a bit of a roaming tour and um, try and meet some of our fellow professionals, some of the volunteers that are, that are taking part today and, and find out what, what archaeology, heritage, history um, means to them. That's right, because we are surrounded by archaeology, but today and for one day only, we're surrounded by archaeologists. They're everywhere, so we may as well go and chat to some. Let's go find some more interesting people than us. Yeah. So what's great about the setup here is we've got this horseshoe of tents with a whole variety of different groups, organisations, professional units, um, sort of sharing what they do and, and allowing the general public to get engaged and, and learn a little bit about our amazing subject. And we've popped over to the first tent just next to our setup, which is Wessex Archaeology. We've been jo joined by Scott. How are you doing, Scott? All right? I'm doing well, thank you. Do you want to give us a bit of a background about yourself, your role in Wessex Archaeology and what you guys are doing um, well, what you do as a business, but then also what you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Scott Chassis. I'm a marine geophysicist with uh, Wessex Archaeology. So we're a commercial unit that um, basically has an end-to-end sort of client contact with archaeology from dust-based assessments through to the post-excavation and, and monitoring, things like that. My specific role is uh, we get seabed data prior to offshore development. That's things like cable routes or wind farms. 
and we get uh, data from different types of sensors like side scan sonar and um, bathymetric data. And so we can look the seabed, look at the seabed for shipwrecks or any other type of debris, shipping containers, that kind of thing that might impact development. So we help manage the risk for the construction so they don't accidentally hit something that we could have known was there in the first place. Amazing. That's incredible. So um, we look around here and there's obviously a lot of archaeology um, displays going on, but your, so your work is focused under the sea. So Absolutely. how, how does that differ from kind of the terrestrial yeah. stuff? Yeah, so we have a, um, a very sort of marine focused activity today. So um, right here we have a, um, a model seabed that's sand and we have some pinwheels that uh, are sort of um, model uh, wind turbines <laughs> and so, so the, um, the people can build a wind farm and if they hit archaeology we can excavate it and then talk about why is it why is it on the seabed uh, why we would want to avoid it during construction and what might the hazards be if we try to lift it because a lot of what we have um, in the North Sea and the channel relates to um, World War Two, World War One, World War Two. Um, so there are very compelling ethical and and health and safety yeah, reasons yeah. not course, to not yeah. to bring it up or, or to <laughs> yeah. interact it with it any more than we have to. And we also have some object handling um, on our other table. So there there are things from shipwrecks, like we have ship's coal for for a steam engine. We have a, a wooden pulley. We have a bit of a ship's timber. But we also have things like a hand axe and a bit of mammoth tusk and a, a mammoth shin bone, um, which helps uh, stretch the timeline in people's imagination of when the North Sea and the Channel was a, a river valley or, or dry land um, up to the end of the Mesolithic. So it's um, both sort of conceptual and real hands-on stuff, but more marine focus, I think, that shows the sort of depth we have both as a company and what archaeology is. That's absolutely amazing. And I must admit, I've become a bit obsessed with maritime archaeology lately. Fantastic. Lawrence and I were fortunate enough to go out on a boat this week, and I spent half a day throwing up. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll leave that to one side. Um, but I have to ask you a question. that I, I always hate when people ask me this question. But I'm going to have to ask it because I'm fascinated. What's the best thing you've ever found at sea? Oh, that question. <laughs> the holy grail if you ever get an answer yeah, to it. Yeah. Um, I think what, what's really interesting with what we do, um, and I, I spent a lot of my academic training and professional life as a terrestrial archaeologist in periods uh, very much pre-modern, so you're lucky if you get within 100 years, much less, you know, 10. Uh, but with some of the some of the maritime stuff that we're doing is it can be related to a single event mm -hmm. or we know that this is you know u-boat 19 and it was a mine layer and it was you know it was constructed at this time and it was doing operations so we can actually relate things to a, an hour or a minute of of activity and that's that's quite interesting and you and when we cover a certain area i'm doing a doing a survey and we see a shipwreck and we look at the records and it was sunk by this particular U-boat. And then we go to another area and we find that U-boat and it was a mine layer and it accidentally hit one of its own mines and sank. So it's quite interesting that you get this saga of, of you know, marine warfare. And it's not, it's not all battles and I don't want to make it sound like sort of armchair yeah, admiral yeah. kind of stuff. But because of, the, because of a lot of the activity um, certainly things being sunk, um, less weather, more, more battle, we do get a lot of that. There's a high density of it around the coast. 
Um, but I think some of the value that we add is when we look underneath the seabed, not just on the surface, mm -hmm. and start to map the paleo landscape of things yeah. like the North Sea, and you get those, you start seeing the crisscross of the river valleys and, and places of human habitation, um, and that we might in the future, future archaeologists be able to use that and, and you know, find some um, human evidence in situ. Uh, under the sea would be would be lovely. Yeah, but it's things like that. It's not necessarily one thing, but that feeling driving it forward is always good. You, you answered a very difficult question very well. Yes, there, so. yeah. We we better leave you be. But thank you so much for your time. Absolute and, pleasure. Uh, thank have you. Have a great day. Thank you and you. Now we stepped just around the corner to the Forestry England stand, and I must admit they are winning the best gazebo of the day. I try. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pushing Lawrence to one side here because we, we, we hear enough from him. But guys, introduce yourself and tell us what you're doing here today. Hi, I'm Ellie. I'm the Corporate Affairs Intern for Forestry England. And I'm Florence Greenland, and I am also from our Corporate Affairs team. And who's this chap behind you? Hi, I'm Andrew. I work for Forestry England in Planning and Heritage, based in uh, the New Forest. So, Forestry England, that's all about trees, isn't it? <laughs> no. <laughs> you wind up. Yeah. Right, <laughs> I, know, I, know I mean, what are you doing here on I an archaeology day? Bear a bit, <laughs> no, we, our remit is much better. It's always a bit of a misnomer, forestry. We're, we're, we're really land managers. Um, we sit on a lot of very important heritage assets. I think we've got about 273 scheduled sites across our district from Dorchester to Gatwick and we need to make sure that we are looking after this heritage. Um, we have our national guidance on it but from an operational point of view we need to make sure that when we go and manage woodlands that's not at the uh, expense of the heritage underneath it. So that's one of the main things we're involved in with the heritage side of stuff. Fantastic and did you say you were interning? Yeah I'm interning this summer so I've been helping uh, coordinate the, our events the festival with marketing and also helping out with on on the day delivery here and in Sherwood. So did you come in from an archaeological background or something else? Yeah I've just finished my undergrad in archaeology at Exeter University. Amazing so what sort of archaeological things have you been doing with the, these guys? Um, well it's sort of been everything really in helping out and getting everything ready for the festivals. Nice and I can see you've got an amazing stand here today but not one of your paperweights is made from wood so can you talk us through some of the archaeology you've got in your forests represented here? Yeah we've got lots of bits from hand axes, we've got a, some stone tools here and we've also got some chunks of the castle which were freshly found today. <laughs> Did you just borrow those from yeah, over there? Yeah to hold down nice. the pamphlets. <laughs> oh great and um, I'll, I'll ask all of you this and I'm sure you can lunge in if you want to. If people want to find out more about the archaeology in forests what can they do? Yeah, speak to us. You know, every every district will have its own lead for the for the historic environment. Uh, you can find us uh, on Google, uh, and we're happy to speak to anyone. There's some fantastic um, content on our Forestry England YouTube channel, which has got how to identify monuments in the woodland, how to understand uh, lost and forgotten sites, um, and there's we've also got material which uh, Florence has worked on, which beautiful uh, bits of think memories and poetry tree around the significance of, of forests and trees in our lives so not just the archaeology but the roles that trees and forests play in our lives as well. I mean this is, this is all wonderful stuff but what I really want to see are videos of you walking through trees in slow oh, motion. Yeah, slow motion? Yeah. yeah I've got plenty of those pal. <laughs> Good. Thank you so much for talking Pleasure. to us. <laughs> Thank you guys. 
Okay, we've just popped the other side of the uh, the area of the of the stands, and we've, we've joined the Council for British Archaeology team. How how are you all doing today? Brilliant, thank you. Good. It's really great. Could you want to introduce yourselves quickly? Yep, I'm Claire Corkill, and I'm the development manager at the CBA. Brilliant. Neil Redfern, and I'm the executive director of the CBA. Fantastic, and congratulations on a great closing event as uh, as part of a really successful fortnight of the Festival of Archaeology. How how I mean, you guys must be shattered. You must have had a very, very busy couple of weeks, whether it's organising your own events or Neil travelling the country, seeing seeing what everyone else is up to. Um, is it safe to say it's been a success? I think so, yeah. Uh, we've had over 700 events um, all around the UK, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, so thousands of people have been getting involved in archaeology over the last two weeks, which is all we want to do as CBA is really about creating more opportunities for people to participate, have a go and find out more. Um, so yeah, we're really, really pleased with how it's gone. Good. And Neil, I mean, obviously you've been going here, there and everywhere. Well, talk us through some of the, the memorable things that you've been up to. Um, okay, so for me it's a really good opportunity to get out and listen to people and that's what I'm really passionate that CBA needs to be about, is listening to other people's perspectives about archaeology and why they're why archaeology can help them in their daily lives and what that actually means and so what i found is is the stories the places i've been to have all become more meaningful uh, you know the the engagement is deeper and it's it's actually incredibly powerful when you get to to that place but i've also noticed that across the festival this year there is a different um a different vibe if you like so this is my third festival the first one we did in 2020 was entirely online, completely different, you know, just a weird world. Um, the second one was in 2021, and that was a hybrid festival. We were learning lots. It was hard work, um, but there was an extense, a real sense of just getting back outside again after the pandemic or in between the pandemic lockdowns. This time I've noticed a real change in the conversation, this, this deepening of the conversation, whether that's exploring deep time or us being better at having conversations and the place that that was most apparent was Ask an Archaeologist Day um, because it actually became more about a real collective community conversation, not archaeologist to archaeologist, but a family of archaeologists embracing what other people, non-archaeologists, would be like, wanted to ask us in a way that actually totally deeper than I've seen before. It was fun, it was happy, it was completely exhausting. I was starting at eight o'clock, we as a team felt we were sort of passing a bat on to each other, but there were friends out there, friends that we've never met in person, yeah, we had, but having um, conversations. We had a school from South Africa take part for the whole day, wow. which was absolutely incredible. So a real global um, connection um, throughout the day with archeologists and um, members of the public all over the world taking part, which is just phenomenal. So, so obviously this is the closing event of the fortnight. Um, in terms of th this podcast is going to go out after the event's taking place, so people that might have missed out or want to get more, what's the best ways for them to go and discover more about our fantastic discipline and subject? And also, can we give any clues as to next year's festival yet? So in terms of taking part post-festival, uh, there's loads of ways to do it. Obviously the best one is to join the CBA, become a member and uh, then you get um, copies of our magazine, British Archaeology, um, but you also get to take part in various events and activities we do all through the year, including our This Is Archaeology lecture series. Um, we also have the Young Archaeologists Club, 
uh, which we have branches all over the UK for young people aged 8 to 16. And then go check out our website. We advertise and promote events, fieldwork activities, all sorts of opportunities to get involved uh, all through the year. Fantastic. Any, uh, any hints on next year yet? Well, that's a creative conversation we've got to have there, Lawrence. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, no, we're, 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 we're hoping we're going to be focusing what, what we do next year around the, the, the theme of creativity. Ah, okay. that's good. So, again, to show you, and there's many ways into that. So, for me, archaeology is about creating cultural value and creating meaning and cultural meaning. Um, it's also the, actually a best way of telling stories is often through artworks or, or poetry. And so we're next to the Forestry England stand and, you know, they've got a fantastic set of booklets all about what it means to be in the forest and things like that, told through poetry and told through photographs. And sometimes that making it all about the present and who we are is really, really important. And again, that's what we do at the CBA. You know, come and contact us because um, we'll start a conversation with you. And I think that's the really important thing. We'll make it human. So those listening now, they've got a year to either come up with some events to, to enhance the festival even more next year and grow it, or think about getting some dates and diaries about when they might want to keep it free to come along to a local event for them. Absolutely. And also the really important thing, again, all this learning we've done through COVID, the festival uh, website actually has a resources section which you can use all year round. So this is how to go and do your own guided walk, how to go and do your own photo competition if you like. All these sorts of activities that actually just show that the festival's not just about the two weeks in July, but it's the build-up, it's the celebration afterwards, and also it's about the simple things you might do. Take a walk, look around you, and just question what you're seeing the whole time. Amazing. Thanks, guys. We'll leave you be. Yeah. I think we should go for a walk over to those tents and see, see what good. they're up to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've come over to a tent, uh, as, as I'd spotted from the other side of the field, and it's an amazing hive of activity. The Ancient here. Wessex Network. Oh, what's, what's the Ancient Wessex Network? Well, you guys have been here all week, haven't you? We have. last nine days. Yeah. So what have you been doing in the castle? Um, well, we've been talking to people about what we do. So there's lots of us that do different crafts. So we've got Mike over here who does flint napping. I do bronze work from the Bronze Age. And Bill over there, he's doing pottery from the Neolithic, Bronze Age, Iron Age. And he may have some other ages as well in there. Um, there's uh, Jane over the, the other side who's making a wool mattress. Uh, there's Jo over there, she's doing dyeing from the Bronze Age, so she's only, she's got to think about only using three colours from three plants, wow. which is fantastic. <laughs> um, and yeah, we've got the guys in the middle doing the, the skins and the children's activities. So we've got a lot going on here at the moment. It's hard to keep track of what's actually happening, but it's, it's all jolly exciting. It is exciting, and this is absolutely my favourite part of the festival so far. <laughs> as as regular listeners will know, I love a bit of experimental archaeology. <laughs> and seeing in one corner of my eye someone napping flint incredibly skillfully, you're polishing some, uh, some bronze, bronze here. Bronze bangle, yeah. Which yes. is fantastic. And yeah. it, obviously this is an audio medium, but in front of me I can see a table with bronze axes, bangles, swords in the background. It's an amazing collection of stuff. And was this all, is this all your own work? This is all the stuff I make, yes. Um, I've been working on these ideas and doing experimental archaeology for oh gosh 2008 i can't remember how long ago that is but it's a long time wow and that i mean that is a 
an amazing part of archaeology because it's easy to think of us digging holes or um, playing around in the mud, finding crusty bits of pot, but there is a home for people who can craft as well, there's a home for people who can do this kind of stuff and it's so nice to see it taking shape in front of us. Yeah. Brilliant. It's lovely and I think it's the variety of artefacts and the context that, that we've got in front of us as well which really I, uh, makes me happy because we've got casts for metal metal casting, we've got some beautiful wooden from mm. probably from forests I would have thought animals. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we've got a flint <laughs> a hafted axe head, we've got um, a bronze hafted axe head, loads of different twines and um, mm. some sort of, I guess that's sort of some sort of like prehistoric super glue holding that, 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 <laughs> that bit in. Yeah. But it's just the most incredibly visually pleasing um, table to look at the first oh, but, but in terms of getting into crafts and um, sort of experimental archaeology what was your route into this area I, I can't imagine you just woke up one day and yeah I'm gonna um, well I used to well I, I still do teach wood carving and I came here to Corfe Castle ooh, uh, over 10 years ago with Bill Potter, Bill Crumbleholm the Potter and he said really if you're going to demonstrate wood carving you should have bronze tools and do it in the Bronze Age style so ever since then we've been trying to make bronze tools. Um, as you can see in front of me we've got everything that ranges from the, the raw malachite to the last, uh, last kind of thing in the Bronze Age technology where they're, they're make casting sickle heads from, with, with rivet holes and they're doing it in a three-part mold that is just incredible technology for that time. You know, and I, I like to tell people all about that kind of thing so that they can see how easy it is to really, because, you know, these were, everyone thinks they're primitive people, but actually they were really sophisticated. And do you guys offer opportunities for people to come and learn these skills with you? Or, um, yeah, how can people find out about what you're up to? Occasionally we do a course, but usually people join us and, you know, if they can still cope with us after a few months then they stay with us so, you know. <laughs> yeah. oh that's great thank you so much for talking to us mark it's oh, uh, my pleasure much appreciated pleasure. Yeah. so we've just left what we could describe as the prehistoric period with all these <laughs> quite archaic techniques and technologies and we've taken maybe 20 steps and come into a tent with widescreen TVs, speakers, computer games controls and Xbox plastered absolutely everywhere. And um, it's and there's children here playing and making uh, computer game versions in Minecraft of Corfe Castle and it's absolutely amazing. Soby, are you having a good day? Tell us through what you talk us through what you're doing here and, and what, what people are up to. It's a fantastic day. I mean, we're here on behalf of Xbox. I'm very proud to be partnered with the National Trust. And um, what we're demonstrating today is a build of Corfe Castle within Minecraft itself. We've taken uh, quite a popular YouTuber by the name of Grier, uh, enlisted his help, and he's helped us reimagine the ruins as they are now within the Minecraft realm itself. And we're now proud to say that it's available for the public to download themselves at corfe.ruinsreimagined.com, and they can then take the, the build and try and recreate what Corfe Castle used to look like within Minecraft itself, or at least attempt to. That's amazing. I, it, is, it is incredible. The amount of work that he's put into that reconstruction, it's a beautiful thing. It's going to be an amazing environment to explore. I, for one, am looking forward to getting home and downloading it and, and having a play. And I think it's probably the only archaeological site you can justifiably blow up with TNT in Minecraft. Don't you? I mean, it's, it's historically accurate. And you, as, as, we, as we discussed earlier. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's fantastic. Have you, has it, how's it been received? Is everyone having a good time? Everyone's having an amazing time. Yeah, the people 
are really just enjoying just exploring what they can see in the flesh and then seeing it in the game as well. And as you can see, they're already starting to recreate some of the historical uh, aspects of, with the TNT and such, um, <laughs> as well as trying their hand at, at building or rebuilding the tower and the and all the other elements to it as well. So it's going down really, really well. It is an amazing, I mean, to be sat in the grounds of the castle just behind us and then for them just to be able to turn around, take a look and then add a few blocks to their, their building. And there is actually TNT. <laughs> Yeah, I thought you were joking. No. Yeah, I think they might have gone a bit overboard there. A little bit, a little yeah. bit. But hey, that's the, the beauty of Minecraft is, you know, just that letting your imagination Absolutely. run wild uh, and having that kind of initial historical base to, to build off of and then just see what they come up with. Is it, We're really looking forward to seeing the results. Fantastic. Well, have a great day and thank you for your thank time. Thank you very much. Oh, well, we've wandered over to a stand I know a little bit about, rather selfishly, the Bournemouth University stand, where I think they've got one of the best interactive exhibits of a, a cast skeleton, which has been lovingly decorated to look as authentic as possible, which people have been putting back together. And I must admit, it's in pretty good nick. Now. It's great. And there's been so many people on this stand as well. Mm. Part, partly because of the enthusiasm of yes. the uh, great people here. Tell us more about your Speaking of enthusiasm, college. we're joined by someone from our archaeological and anthropological Society, Shelley. How's your day been, Shelley? Brilliant. We've had so many people interested in the artifacts, the skeleton, piecing it together, asking questions. We seem to have had surgeons, physiotherapists that have come yeah. along who have been talking about the articulation of the bones, interest in the degree as well. Amazing. And you're one of our first years going into your second year. So, what got you into archaeology? COVID 19 initially. <laughs> but a long history of being taken out around the countryside in Britain by my father and then Covid hit and it was sitting there watching YouTube videos on prehistory, sites in Egypt, Turkey, just generally wanting to know a bit more about our past and how we piece it together. And so we, more recently we went popped out to the student excavation with Jurachuga's uh, Big Dig, were you out on that? I was out, I yes. had a whole five, I had three days on a tree throw. <laughs> okay, good and stuff. Then Someone's spoiling you there. <laughs> the remaining part of the dig, I mostly had one pit that I dug from top to bottom. Some really interesting metallurgical finds in there. Oh, that sounds boring. Some slag, to me, some furnace <laughs> linings. That so sounds it's been like the best pit on site. <laughs> nicely sure. out on its own. It's just nice getting through all the layers and finding different artifacts as we went down. And so you guys have given up your your Sundays to come and yeah. help the university out. Are you part of the archaeology society or? At the just... moment, I think yeah. I was last year. I think we've got to go through another election process. Okay. A few people haven't signed up, so we're signing up again. Oh, so I think it's amazing. August we've got our pre-term elections. Oh, <laughs> wow. Uh, I think it's, oh, it's amazing you guys have given up so much time to help sort of bring history to life and chat to people and be so friendly. Have you, have you had a good day? It's been absolutely brilliant. It's nice seeing people from all walks of life and their interests that they've expressed in our stand and the other stands around us in archaeology and people that didn't think they had an interest suddenly going I really want to go to a dig. So have you had a chance to look at all the other stands? Has anything caught your eye? I quite like the dig bit with all the flint napping, uh, yeah. the wool making, the dyeing. Yeah. It's really good just to step back in time and just see how things were done in the past. Fantastic. I can see out the corner of my eye a stand for Portland Museum and I'd quite like to chat to those guys. So I'll say thank you very much. And leave thank you, you very much. Thank you. So yeah, we snuck behind the Portland Museum stand and I'm joined by Lucy. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you guys are doing? Yeah, so my name's Lucy, I'm the project manager of Portland Museum's Earl of Abergavenny project. 
and the idea of the project is to update digital skills for volunteers on the project. So we're lucky enough to have David Carter as one of our Portland Museum trustees and David is responsible for excavating with his team so many of these finds that you can see here from the Earl of Abergavenny. So the Earl of Abergavenny was a huge East Indiaman that went down off Portonville roughly 200 years ago. David and his team retrieved these, this incredible selection of finds, you can see, and our volunteers, so this is a national lottery funded project, our volunteers have been making 3D images of the finds. So because we're only a small museum, there's only so many finds we can have in the museum on display. And the amazing thing about 3D imaging is that we can create these 3D images of the finds, we can put them onto Sketchfab, mm -hmm. that gets embedded in Portland Museum's website, and anybody can see these finds. So it's an online museum, effectively. Yeah. Anyone around the world yeah. can come and see these amazing yeah. artefacts. And the amazing thing about our volunteers is, A, they're creating the 3D images, mm. B, they're condition assessing the finds, so they're checking for any signs of degradation, and then recording that onto a digital form. Then that goes on to the computer, uh, the museum's collection management system, mm. which is like a kind of uh, database mm. of all the museum's collection items. And volunteers also get training on how to make an inventory of all these finds and put them onto modes, this amazing database. So it means basically you can go onto our website, you can see a 3D image of a find mm. and some great information about it too, which again our volunteers will have generated. Each find has an identification mm. code. You can look at that code, get in touch with Portland Museum if you want to see the real object. We can find it from that code. Mm. You can come in and we can show you this amazing piece of eight or um, a bottle of Neats for Oil, or one of these, these amazing coins that we have, or the lead seals, pieces of the ship's rigging, like the dead eyes and the pulleys. There's all sorts of incredible finds with amazing stories attached to them. That is amazing. And can I see one that you've printed as well over there? Yeah, is that a 3D yeah. printed yeah. replica of what you've got sat yeah, next to it? I'll, I'll show you David, David's oh, favourite yeah. find. So this is a copper pin from the Earl of Abergavenny with, with a rove attached to it, so that's a seal. And you, you can feel the weight of it, can't you? Oh, blimey, and yeah, you that's can, You can clink it as well, yeah, it's a lovely that's sound. Nice. So we made a 3D image of that. And then David popped into town and had a real oh. 3D, a physical 3D image of it. Let's hear the sound comparison, Derek. Uh, a bit different to that. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that's <laughs> the real McCoy, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. So the weight of it is incredible, isn't it? It's got this amazing finish because it's copper. Yeah, what a lovely way to use digital technologies in mm. heritage. This is fantastic. Yeah. So what, what website can people go to? So to it's portmuseum.co.uk. Fantastic. Oh, no, if, if they go to the Discover tab, then the Earl of Abergavenny will come up and that's where they can find out more information about the ship, how it was wrecked. That's a story in itself. Its captain was John Wordsworth, who was William Wordsworth's brother. So there's some great stories attached to poetry and literature. And we have um, we have the cap one of the captain's cufflinks as well. Wow! Yeah, um, I have it in my hand. Uh, yeah. So look at look at this. 
These are gold. Oh, wow. So these were achieved. So there's John Wordsworth's initials. And the what intricacy and, and the fine... So these were discovered whilst diving or the, yeah. the wreck. Incredible. Yeah. That's the most beautiful. And are these available? On, can you see them online on the website? You can't see these yet. They're one of the things that we're going to um, 3D image next. Oh, okay, well, that, when, as and when they're up, I recommend everyone. I mean, obviously, it's all amazing, but these are the most beautiful things. And just to, know, to think that they were on the captain. Thank you so much for giving us that introduction and uh, enjoy, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks very much. Okay, well, we're just coming towards the end of the day now. We've, we've had a, a great time wandering around. We've, we've been up into the ruins. We've met some fantastic professionals and, and volunteers. And, and we caught, we're just finally catching up with Shannon here, who's part of the National Trust team we've helped coordinate today. And um, yeah, how's, how's it been? How are you feeling? I feel exhausted, definitely. But, but in a really, really good way. It's been months and months of planning and whilst the team at Corf have been absolutely incredible, it's really hard to organize things from a distance. Um, so I think it's been a bit stressful kind of planning everything and bringing it all together. But the team, like I say, the team have been amazing. The CBA have been amazing. Um, and the main thing is that everyone is just really up for it. Like everyone's been really up for trying things and doing something different and throwing sort of absolutely everything at it. And it's just been a really positive atmosphere from start to finish. So yeah, That's really thrilled. That's a good takeaway. In terms of um, uptake and numbers, have you got any rough idea how many people have been along so far? Yeah, so we, we passed 2,000 wow. um, somewhere in the early afternoon so it's going to be in excess of that probably probably close to two and a half thousand Fantastic. I would think which is which is big for here I think That's great. Um, but but the, the weather was in our favor because it was a cloudy it was not a beach day so that definitely helped us Excellent. I think as well but it was an archaeology day it was yeah. an archaeology yeah. day absolutely <laughs> the, the stands have been fantastic the enthusiasm has been brilliant and it's just been such a nice way to deliver this 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 final event in terms of people listening in that might want to learn a bit more about Corf Castle the National Trust what you guys do for volunteering or uh, activities what, what's best for them to do so obviously you can go to the website and there's loads of information on National Trust websites um, for the property but I would say like if you can visit National Trust places come to Corf and talk to anybody because one thing that I think is amazing about our volunteers and our teams that work at property is they've got so much time to talk to people um, and they're really enthusiastic about what they do and the team here in particular are such a such a strong and well-bonded team and they're really really happy to help and get people involved so i think just just go ahead and talk to anybody in the national trust when you get a chance amazing so whilst the festival festival might have finished there's still plenty of opportunities so much to do yeah yeah there's lots of other things coming up and there's always stuff going on with archaeology and the national trust as well even if it's sort of behind closed doors so yeah definitely ask about it thank you so much for having us today it's been an absolute treat brilliant i'm really glad you guys came <laughs> Oh, so that was a, a lovely day, and I know we've we've had a look at the ruins already, but let's have a little stroll up this to the is, castle. This is, yeah, I mean, it's a steeper stroll. You said, let's go and have a look. I'll be honest, <laughs> I'm already a little bit tired. I haven't even got to the main keep yet. <laughs> How far? Come on, chop chop. I kind of want to show you the original Saxon Hall. Oh, yeah. It's a nice, nice bit good. of uh, architectural history up there. Okay, well, whilst we're wondering, I mean, what a great day. It's been lovely. I, I can't can't believe how I mean I can't believe how welcoming lovely everyone is but it's just so nice to see all these organizations together sharing what they're interested in chatting about the archaeology and I'm definitely getting out of breath yeah, yeah. do you want me to take over yeah go uh, yeah I, I think that's a really good good sort of synopsis of how it's gone I think the the enthusiasm and uptake and engagement's been brilliant and we would encourage everyone just to check out the CBA website 
check out, check out the National Trust website. Maybe go back and listen to um, some of our past podcasts and learn more about what, what's going on and engage with it. Oh, we made it up to the top. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit, bit more blustery up here, yeah. but what have you? Oh, I'm a bit tired. Yeah. <laughs> totally worth it. I mean, isn't, isn't archaeology and heritage just, just the best? I mean, this is, this is a lovely Sunday afternoon out, isn't mm-hmm. it? We're, we're sat in a 12th century castle, 13th century castle, an old castle. You, you should know, you blew it up. I know. <laughs> oh, you should know, you got proposed to. No, you proposed <laughs> to Joe over there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, a fantastic day with some fantastic people in a fantastic setting. And um, we hope you guys have had a little insight into what the Festival of Archaeology is all about what you can look forward to next year but also you've got a few ideas of how you can go and explore your own local heritage or when you're out and about make the most of what what might be available for now look after yourselves career ruins fans and we'll uh, chat to you soon see you soon fans